0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Dr. Brianne Showman Brown and I am joined today by Denise Smith, fellow physical therapist and running technique specialist. I've had a lot of questions recently regarding knee pain with runners, specifically runner's knee. So we wanted to get on here and talk about what runner's knee is, what causes it, how we can treat it ourselves, and also just diving into some other common running injuries. If you are a runner, want to be a runner or pretend to be a runner, I think you will get some good value out of this conversation. So let's tune in. Denise, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: Hi, Bree. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You are quite welcome. So I am super excited about this. We met, what, about eight months ago, um, started talking running, started talking about what you do, um, met you again more recently, actually at a course. And um, after that, I've just been super excited to talk to you more, get you on here because you have so much expertise and background being a running technique specialist and a PT both that I thought we could really dive into uh, some of these common problems that runners deal with on a essentially daily basis for the injuries they get with the, um, that we talk to them about. Um, specifically I wanted to start with runner's knee and then we'll kind of dive into some other things as we go. So, um, first off, let's just kind of quote unquote define what runner's knee actually is when someone uses that term as a diagnosis. Cause I think we get a lot of runners get looped into like any knee pain is runner's knee. So let's first kind of just talk about like What is, if a doctor gives a diagnosis of runner's knee, like, what is that?
1: Okay, so we have, we do see this really big trend of doctors just calling everything runner's knee. Oh, you're a runner, you're runner's knee. I'll have patients that come in that are um, volleyball players, and the doctor will say, well, you've runner's knee. And they're like, but I'm not a runner. And so I'm like, it's kind of a, it's a term to describe irritation of a tendon in your knee. Usually, it's the tendon that connects your kneecap to part of your quad. um, is usually how most doctors will describe. You know, they'll point to very specific pain to the bottom part of their kneecap, um, and that's what the doctors will say is runner's knee. Um, There are some doctors that will talk about any irritation around the kneecap as runner's knee, or they might use a fancy term called chondromalacia, um, and that's irritation through any of those structures. And so, I think it depends on why you're seeing the doctor, when you're telling him you have pain, that then they'll kind of pick what term they use to describe your knee. But usually runner's knee is how they'll just lump it all together. You yes. Totally. that tendon.
0: Totally. Uh, when, you, like when you see someone, how do you uh, kind of rule in or rule out that tendon being the issue versus something else?
1: Well, I, I like to step back and look at a couple of things. So, just because someone has pain doesn't mean there's necessarily an injury there. Sometimes the pain is just telling us that something isn't functioning right. And so we, I step back and we first look at their history. And I use a lot of what they tell me to direct my treatment from there or my line of questioning. So, if they only have pain with running, no other, nothing else. Not with squatting, not with stairs that leads me to say, all right, we're probably dealing with a form issue here. But if they have pain only with descending the stairs or and with running and um, when they bend and straighten their knee and there's complaints of it popping or getting stuck, then we go in another direction. So taking into account where their pain is, when they have it, and what brings it on will usually direct where we start. Um, and if it's truly runner's knee, I can pinpoint and I can usually push my finger into one spot and they'll kind of jump off the table and they'll, it'll be anytime that tendon loads. So usually when they're running, going down the stairs, sometimes going up the stairs, squatting, anytime that tendon has to accept the load of our body weight is usually when we'll say, okay, yes, the doctor is right that you have runner's knee. Um, Then we have to step back and say, well, why do they have it? Because it's not like the tendon is just going to choose to be mad for just because it wants to be mad. Something is wrong. Something's usually off in the system. And um, I'm going to go off on my tangent. I'm sorry. But no, <laughs> okay. the, knee is, the knee is usually not the, the structure at fault. It's usually something above or below. It's a very, it's a hinge joint. So there's not a lot happening there. And it is the weakest link in the chain. So most of the time the problem is somewhere else, but the knee is where the pain shows up and so the doctors say, well, just go have your knee worked on and your pain will go away, which is not true. We have to sometimes look at what's happening with stability and mobility at the other structures that surround the knee.
0: Exactly. And I'm glad you went there because I was going to go there anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is why we get along. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Cause yeah, the knee is such a, just kind of as I say, it's like a symptom of something else going on. Like things don't, unless you like were taken out at the knee, you know, and get the tear, major tear, um, like the knee is not the problem. So let's start up the chain a little bit. What are some, some of the common issues that are going on at the hip that can cause some of this knee stuff?
1: With runners, or kind of in general. No, Let's stick with runners. Okay, so usually with runners, I mean I, I am a running technique specialist, so my favorite, mean biomechanics and running form. So usually there's a group of form issues that happen that cause pain at the knee, and usually it revolves around landing ahead of your body weight um, or over, which is part of overstriding. Um, and so one reason people get runner's knee is their form. Another issue that can happen at the hip is that they could be really weak through their hip. So when they land, we talked about how that tendon's job is to stabilize when it's bearing weight. And so let's say we're talking about my right knee. So my right knee lands or my right foot lands, all my body weight goes on that. But if my left hip is not doing, doing its job to help stabilize the right side, there's my hip will drop on, ones on that left side thus causing the kneecap to try to tug differently to counterbalance where my hips are going. Um, And so a lot of times an opposite side hip dysfunction can cause a knee pain on the other side. And so that stability of the hip and the way everything's working together can cause issues. Um, And even things like low back pain, Um, maybe some joint restrictions In your low back either in the actual spine spinal area itself or the SI joint can also cause knee pain because it's going to change how my hips are functioning when I bear weight on my legs so we have to we have to take a step back and look at the entire system above the knee for how that's working even a shoulder dysfunction can cause a hip issue Um, and so it's, you know, that's why I think I, we love our jobs is because we're kind of detectives and we have to figure out where the problem lies. And so above, it could be any of those structures above.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point to bring up is um, a lot of people, even clinicians, get very stuck in, you know, the problem, you know, pain's in the joint in certain area, so that problem must be in that certain area, forgetting about everything the rest of the body can do. And um uh, yeah, there's so much shoulder stuff that can cause hip stuff that is uh, frequently forgotten. Yes. So now going down the chain to my favorite area, and I think yours as well, the foot and ankle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I like to, I've done blog posts on it a lot. Um, I really like the phrase, the fuzzier Foundation, and really comparing that foot to the foundation of a building that If that foot's not strong and stable, um, just like a foundation of a building, if it's not strong and stable, everything's going to collapse, essentially. Um, So let's kind of dive in there a little bit. Why is the foot so important into how that knee is functioning?
1: Well, like you just said, it's the the foundation of that entire leg. Um, And there's so many, uh, one quarter of your body's bones are in your foot. And so the intricacies of what can happen there, all those joints coming into play make for this, this area of one little cogwheel being out and then the whole clock's not going to work. And so it's a system that has to be stable and strong to support all of the weight that happens. Now, and this is a whole different story if you're a trail runner. So now you're, on, you're landing on uneven surface surface. If you're like Bree and you, run, you prefer to run on the beach, every time you hit the ground, there's something unexpected underneath you. And so if that foot isn't able to accommodate, um, and, you know, we can get into a discussion on shoes and orthotics and what that, how that changes your foot structure and can affect your, your body's ability to conform to different shapes on the ground. But if your foot can't react, then anything above it is going to have a hard time adjusting as well.
0: Yeah, completely. Um, let's dive into mainly because it's my soapbox. Let's dive into the uh, shoe and orthotic thing a little bit. Um, I'd like to. We've discussed it a little bit, but I'd like to get your stance on orthotics, um, good, bad. Kind of what's what's your thoughts there?
1: I this is a this is a hard area for PTs to discuss because. I have very good friends and I have very good referral sources that are podiatrists. And so I don't ever want to offend their decision-making as to why they chose an orthotic for this person. But there are times that I don't agree with the decision to put somebody in an orthotic because if they are a trail, if they're a runner at all, I mean, I could, I I could talk about shoes a lot. um, And my frustration with shoe companies Shoes and orthotics can mask a problem. So a typical um, scenario for a, a runner is that they'll start having pain somewhere in their knee, and their ankle, their hip, their back, wherever. and they go to a shoe store. A very well-meaning employee will put them on a treadmill and have them run, and they'll see all this movement happening at their foot. And so the well-meaning employee will put them in a sh- in a stability shoe. Well, then, a couple of weeks later, the pain doesn't go away. So somebody refers their friend, the runner, to see a podiatrist. And the podiatrist says, you need an orthotic. And they fit this person in an orthotic, either in sitting or laying down. And now this runner has this really rigid shoe and an orthotic that is pushing their foot into one position. But none of those people ever looked above and looked at the hip or looked at what's happening why their foot is wobbling every time they land on it. And so now you've taken away some mobility at this foot and ankle. Well, that movement has to go somewhere else. Our body transfers forces. And so now we're going to start, they'll probably come to me eventually with hip pain. And we'll start delving into it and find out, oh, well, yeah, six months ago, I got put in these orthotics. And my foot hurts, but I have to wear these orthotics because they said I needed it to go with these shoes because my foot was rolling on the treadmill. And so an orthotic can hide a lot of stuff. It can also make things worse. Um, And if you're a trail runner or a beach runner and you're trying to run in a shoe that won't allow your foot to accommodate to the ground, well, then that can lead to things like frequent ankle sprains, knee pain, hip pain. Um, The times I love orthotics is when there's somebody with an actual foot deformity. Um, I know there's a lot of debate in the literature about high arches and fallen arches and whatever, but I think if you don't have a every everybody should is unique and it should be evaluated on a case by case basis based on what you do if you're a teacher and you have to stand all day that's different than um, a triathlete who wants to go do a triathlon every weekend and needs orthotics for a different reason so I think. As therapists, we do a pretty good job of helping people decide, okay, is this a strength and stability issue that the doctor's recommending this orthotic, or is it a foot pain issue? Is it a mobility issue somewhere else? Um, And just take a step back and look at the whole person to make that decision versus just at one joint making that decision.
0: Yeah, I have that same stance on that. A way was explained to me one time, or I can't remember if I read it somewhere, but it made a lot of sense that comparing an orthotic to a back brace as far as like we don't suggest people wear back braces all the time like yes after certain surgeries you need them and that orthotics should essentially be kind of considered the same thing maybe someone needs one temporarily to calm things down but then let's strengthen them to in order in order to get out of that um And because it's so true, like, it's basically just a permanent brace in your shoe if you, you know, just wear it.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh. And I I don't think, probably one of the problems with runners is that a lot of us don't know to work on balance. But if you think about it, as a runner, you're always on one leg. Mm -hmm. But then I'll have these runners in my clinic, I'll just be like, okay, just stand on one leg for me. And they can't. And, And so you think, okay, well. Yes, you're going to need orthotic because your foot is super weak, but let's spend some time strengthening what's weak and see what comes out of that. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. And I like that you brought up the point, too, about the um, reacting to the ground in those stiffer shoes, because there is a lot of research backing um, increased ankle sprains in shoes versus being barefoot or wearing minimalist shoes, um, human shoes, whatever you want to call them. Um, Just because you don't have that proprioceptive feel through your foot when you are wearing pretty much any type of shoe with cushion in
1: it. Well, and I know you run in barefoot running shoes um, or the minimalist shoes. Sorry, Um, and I think that that a lot of my runners now. We I'm in the Chicago suburbs, so from like November to sometimes April, May, June. Um, but on those nice moments when I first work on technique we're out in the grass and it's not because I'm advocating for running barefoot I'm advocating for really getting that sound understanding the word we use is proprioception is that 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 transfer of information from your foot to your brain on what's happening and what it feels like and that's how we can make long-term changes to our running form is by feeling and really paying attention to what our body is telling us and getting input from the areas that are surrounding the surrounding things that are telling, giving us input. Um, And so, like you said, those shoes, that cushioning in a shoe will mask what's really happening down there. And even in, I mean, shoes have been around since the early twenties, 1920s. And there's been a variation from springs in our shoes to lots of cushioning to no cushioning but no matter what's happened people still keep getting running related injuries and so I think it goes to show it's not the shoe I wrote a blog once called it's not your shoes stupid because I feel like everybody just wants to blame the shoe and it's like there's so many other things that could be happening I, I, I always use the analogy I'm trying to learn how to golf Not very good at it. No matter what golf club I go purchase, my swing is not going to get any better. I have to sit and learn the swing. Now, once I get a good swing and my mechanics are sound, then I could go buy a golf club that might enhance my performance. Maybe it'll help me drive the ball a little bit further. These are the same way. They're not going to fix your form, but they're going to enhance your performance or help you adjust. In Illinois, when we run the trails, we wear tracks. Um, It's going to a good shoe with spikes will help me land on icy surfaces better than another shoe. So it will help my performance. It's not going to make me a better runner because I'm wearing these spikes or not. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So if someone has, um, we'll stick with runner's knee for a second. We'll go back to there a little bit, then we'll um, veer off again. Um, Like where, I know like everyone's going to present a little bit differently, but just thinking, like, someone's very acute, has this knee pain on the front of their knee, you know, either it's above or below is causing the issue, but focusing on that knee itself to calm things down, to start um, taking that inflammation out of there, getting rid of that pain, like, where do you start with your runners?
1: Well, I love soft tissue work and manual therapy, so I always love getting in there and breaking up fascial restrictions, helping them. Quad and the hamstring, so there's the hands-on component that I think all of us PTs love to do, Um, and so usually I'll start with that, like just feeling around, what's irritated, what's not, what's tight, what's not, Um, and then backing down and looking at, okay, how, how are they, how and when are they loading the knee? So we'll use video analysis to watch them run. We don't do anything on the treadmill here at Smith Physical Therapy. But um, we do everything on the ground. So having them run back and forth outside on the sidewalk, filming them, looking at where the foot is landing in relationship to the body. Because if that foot lands ahead of the body weight, most likely you're landing on a locked knee and you're asking that tendon then and the joints to be in a locked out position. And that's what's absorbing the force versus a soft knee um, when it lands underneath your body weight and you're letting the muscles absorb the force. So Usually that's where we start is putting our hands on the patient to figure out what's going on and then looking at when they're loading it, how the joints are positioned. Um, And then you can usually work backwards from there.
0: Awesome. 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 Um, Cool. So just thinking like other common injuries that we see with runners, um, runner's knee is one of them naturally, but we see a lot of like, IT band syndrome. Uh, <laughs> yes, I quotes. can your quotes on that because that's another soapbox. <laughs> but um, we see the IT band stuff. We see, you know, the plantar fascia stuff. I know my thoughts on it, but what are your thoughts? Are, as far as all these injuries, is it for the most part caused by the same general issues as far as the hip issues, foot and ankle issues, or, um Are they caused by different things?
1: Um, Both, yes. Um, So usually it is a problem somewhere else. Um, And we, there's a term to this, itis. So plantar fasciitis, um, tendonitis. And that is somehow implying that they're, and they'll say it's an overuse injury. And so we really want to try to get patients to get out of that idea that, well, you ran too many miles and that's why you're hurt. Well, if that were true, if there's like, oh, you're training for a marathon, that's a tendonitis, you're overusing it. Well, if that's true, anybody running a marathon would have the same thing. There would be like some magical number that we all hit, <laughs> which is not true. So um, we, we, we want to start using the term misuse. So you're not using something the right way and that's why it's irritated and angry. So is it irritated and angry because you're not strong enough to be doing what you're doing? Are you a runner that, you know, you're following some plan that tells you to run 10% more each week and now, but no strength training. And so now you're trying to run 20 miles, but you're not strong enough to do it. Or you won't take care of the muscles and you won't dig and clean some of the restrictions that build up um, in, in the tissues. Like you don't do any recovery work, you don't do any yoga you don't so there are so many other components to pain and runners, whatever joint that I think if we break it down, we start looking at how we should be training. I'm sorry, I just want to put another tangent. <laughs> oh, you're fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that a lot of these injuries aren't overuse, they are simply misuse because your body's not either strong enough, mobile enough, or you don't have correct form, and that's why things happen. And like you said, there's just bad things that happen, you know, getting taken out, you twist an ankle on a trail, that stuff's going to happen to some people. But the majority of the 85% of recreational runners that are injured every year, it's a misuse injury, not an overuse and not a traumatic incident. Yes, correct.
0: Um, I actually like the tangent you went off on because it is something I do want to address. And that is the strength component. Uh, I know I talk to runners all the time who think because they run, their legs are going to be strong. And that is 100% false. (laughs) And so there's, there's just this misnomer that they don't need to do any strength training in any way, shape or form. All they need to do is run every day and they're going to be fine. But one that sets you up for injuries. And two, um, you know, we both know that or we both have had patients over the years that became faster runners, more efficient runners by doing that strength training.
1: Well, and this is why I love your stuff, Bree, because, and I send a lot of my patients to look at your stuff because it shows, first of all, strength training is not have to be super complicated. Um, but when you do it the right way, you're only giving support to structures that like it and need it. And you can prevent an injury just because you're stronger in that muscle. It doesn't have to be this complicated thing it's a very simple process there's a reason why we do squats as runners there's a reason why we strengthen our hamstring as runners there's a reason why we have to work our calf you know there's there's reasonings behind all of this and it can be very simple if you understand what muscles do during each part of running
0: and I think the, the important thing too to point out with the simplicity of it is you don't need to go to a gym to do this stuff Like most of the stuff can be done just body weight or maybe if you want to do, you know, have some dumbbells and kettlebells at home just to add a little bit of resistance. But it's not something that you need to, you know, spend a ton of time at the gym for. It's something that we can just integrate into, you know, a little bit before your run or a little bit after your run in order just to get something consistent.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a two hour long process. It could be a 20 minute process. And that's sometimes enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to talk about something going away from the lower extremity a little bit, going away from the legs, Um, just something that's come up with a lot of runners I've been talking to recently, and that is more of the back hip sciatica stuff that's coming on as they're running. Um, What is your thought process behind why a lot of that occurs, why people get more of like the back pain and sciatic stuff? Um, With running, especially with the higher mileage?
1: Um, Some of it is a strength issue, pure and simple. They cannot, their low back, their hamstrings, their glutes are not strong enough to maintain that distance. So, um, but from a form function, a form standpoint, it's a lot that we'll see um, they're bending at the waist or their hips aren't coming underneath them. Ideally, when someone's running, we want them to be like, A tree. So their whole body weight will come forward. They'll pivot over their ankle, but we have a tendency to pivot to bend at our waist, either as an attempt to get speed or as a because you're just too weak, you can't tolerate being upright for that long. Um, And so I think an awareness of where your hips are in relationship to the rest of your body is really important to prevent low back pain, so that that those structures aren't being pulled on. The other thing too is like we sit all day. We sit, so those of us that have to commute to work, we sit, and then we sit when we get to work, and then we sit when we go home, and then we're like, oh, I should go for a run. So you've been <laughs> sitting all day, and then you get up and you go for this, like, 12-mile run, and your back starts hurting. Well, you know, you there's a reason why we are not supposed to sit all day. So, <laughs> excuse me, we're finding patients to have less pain the more they're becoming aware of standing throughout the day or sitting on a ball or getting up and walking around throughout the day too. So I would say just looking at your lifestyle. What are you doing before you run? What are you doing after you run? Are you stretching? Are you working on strength training of your low back and ab muscles? Um, that all goes into why I think low back pain is, is prevalent in runners.
0: And that's basically the direction I go to is that core strength, stability stuff, and yeah, tight hip flexors. Just because those are pulling yeah. on the spine, pulling on the pelvis. and. Um, definitely can cause a lot of problems in there. Plus, the other factor of not just the tight hip flexors, but um, you know, the research shows that all that sitting just shuts down the glutes too while you're sitting. And so, if people aren't doing things to actually get them turned on, or I hate using that like they shut down, but yeah,
1: um, I know. I know you mean though, like get lazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, to you know, at least get them to you know, fire properly, or at least you know warm them up a little bit, essentially, I guess is a better term before running. Um, you know, naturally they just aren't going to be as active.
1: Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: anything as far as on your end, anything consistent that you see a lot of that you want to bring
1: up? Um, I, I think you, you really touched on when we talked about the strength training component. If I could just change runners appreciation for strength training if if people walk away from this podcast and they hear that you can prevent runner's knee with strength training then i can die a happy lady because i just think that when structures are trained to load a certain way when you have good form and your body is strong enough to handle that form for prolonged distances i think that we could really start seeing these injury rates come down and that's what's most frustrating to me as a pt and as a running technique specialist is that there is no reason why running should have the high rate of injuries that it does. Um, It's one of those sports that you could do anywhere. People forget that it is a sport that has its own set of skills that need to be developed, but it really is a wonderful, wonderful sport that anybody can do with just a little bit of time and dedication and putting in the time to do strength training and recovery work and working on your form. I just think that the more people watch your stuff, Bree, with understanding the role of strength training and proper nutrition, fueling those tissues with recovery, you know, timing when you're eating um, before and after your run so that you're fueling your body the right way. I think if, if we can all work together to educate these runners, we'll, we'll really start seeing these injuries come down. And that is my goal in life is right now it's, you see 85% of runners injured every year. I can get that down to 70 in the next five years that will make me so happy because this is silly that we get hurt like this.
0: I agree. And you did bring up that good point that, and something I touch on all the time, which is that nutrition side of things. Um, and I actually just talked briefly about it yesterday um, on a live that, you know, I, I like to consider what we put in our bodies as fuel, just like fuel in a vehicle. You put crappy fuel in the car, it's not going to run very well. Same with right. body, you put crappy food in it, it's not going to function very well, it's going to get injured, it's going to have inflammation, and if we can put better things in our system that actually help us recover and help us heal, um, that can actually, you know, that can pre- prevent or at least reduce a lot of things.
1: Yeah, and I know maybe I can give a shameless plug to what you and I are doing in the next couple months with our high school runners that, you know, in our conversations we both felt like High school runners are at a very high risk for an injury. Not only are they structurally weak because they're going through puberty, but they don't know what to eat. And they'll have a Pop-Tart in the morning and then a sandwich and chips at lunch. And then they, three hours later, go outside for cross country and their coach asks them to run six miles. And they haven't fueled properly at all. And they haven't, they're not strong enough and they've been sitting all day why that leads to such high injury rates in the high school runner. And I think they're a perfect example of when you don't fuel the right way, what can happen. Um, And all of us that work all day, we don't always have time to eat the right thing, but not eating at all isn't an option either because then you have no gas in the car.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I think going to that high school student, um, I have a runner, high school runner, I'm working with a little bit with nutrition stuff and, just understanding that they have crazy schedules and it can be tough for them to actually get healthy food in. And so it can be um, kind of a project at times, trying to create a a good game plan in order to be able to eat healthy for those students. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Denise, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to follow you on social media, how can they find you?
1: Well, um, we're Smith Physical Therapy and Running Academy, and our handles are smithptrun. So we're on Instagram. I'm not very good at Twitter, so I'm not even going to say Twitter. (laughs) But we're on YouTube and um, under Smith Physical Therapy and Running Academy. Our website is smithptrun.com. We do virtual coaching. um, So if you are not in the Chicagoland area and you want to work on your running form, we do it through um, video and Skype, or Zoom sessions like you do, and we just really believe that the more our clients know, um, we believe in better here, so if you know more, if you're a better runner because you've been educated on it, then we can reduce some of these injuries that we're seeing, or your performance will improve.
0: Awesome, I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been so much fun. I know we have very tr- similar thought processes and treatment styles and um, just knowing how to look at runners. So really appreciate you spending the time to get on here.
1: Well, I'm really honored you asked. So thank you. You are quite welcome.
0: Have an amazing rest of your day. All right. You too. And that concludes this episode of highly functional. I truly appreciate the time you spend to listen to myself and my colleagues share with you how to become highly functional individuals, and how to be highly functional individuals. If you learned great information from this, I would love for you to share it with your friends and help them become highly functioning individuals as well. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.